You're listening to Real People, Real God. Today, Misu and Lindsay will explore the character Talia and how her life intersects with yours on the topic of not being able to see God. Hi, this is Misu. And this is Lindsay. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're glad to have you with us today. How are you doing over there, Misu? How's your day? Um, You know, it's going pretty well. It started out a little rough. I got a call from my publisher saying, hey, where's that article that was due yesterday? Ooh, and I had forgotten to put that on my calendar. So the article had not even been started yet. So, yes, I'm doing better because I got the article done. It's all in. Good. Uh, So my day's better. How about you? How's your day? It's been pretty good. I got some work done today, and it's been just pretty restful. I'm uh, enjoying a little bit of spring break with my mom and dad. Got to watch basketball with my dad, which is one of my favorite activities. Oh, you know, you met my dad when he I was a basketball do. coach, so I we yeah. like basketball. Oh, man, your dad's <laughs> in heaven if he's got you to watch basketball with. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. So oh, we're having fun. a real good time. Today for me it was real people, yeah. real good time. That was that was my day, I think. <laughs> Mine was real panic and then it got okay. My, so my, I I was having a real day today. It it was it mm-hmm. was scary and then it got good. So that's that's a real day yeah. for me. So yeah. Well, I mean real characters here and a real god. That's right. I'm excited for that. Yeah, let's yeah. Uh, today we're going to dive right into this Miriam Bible study and start talking about that and some of these barriers to faith. Today, specifically, we're going to talk about Talia and see how we might be able to connect to Talia's story. So Talia's particular barrier to faith was that she couldn't see God. She was struggling with an invisible God. She couldn't see him, and so she had a hard time knowing if he was real. And I think that's a big one for a lot of us at some point in our lives if not many points in our lives we have a we have a struggle with is god real because i can't see him i know i know that's been in my life so i really resonated with talia she had trouble believing in god because he wasn't tangible he wasn't right next to her she couldn't touch him she couldn't see him she couldn't hear him or smell him or talk to him like you can you know your best friend or someone right next to you and and so she wasn't sure if he was really really real and i i thought talia's character was so refreshing in this book i really honestly loved her doubts um because they resonated with a lot of my own heart and it was a different perspective from many of the bible many of the bible characters that i often read about you know you read the new testament or the old testament and you see people who had the opportunity to hear from God. They heard God speak to them. The disciples walked around with Jesus. Moses got to see God's glory pass by. And sometimes when I read about their stories, I don't know about you, but I think, sure, if I could see God's glory pass right in front of me, it would be easier for me to believe in him. I would definitely be able to believe. If I got a burning bush, I could believe in that. If I saw a burning bush, right? Right. It seems a lot easier. So that's why why I love Talia's character. And, And she was so refreshing to me in this book because her doubts expressed my real doubts that, that maybe I don't always see in in the Bible characters that I read about. So tell me a little bit about how you came up with Talia's character because she's not uh, she's not someone we see in scripture. You actually wrote her in as a fictional right. character to this book. So how did you come up with her? How did you dream her up? Where does she come from? Tell, tell me about that. <laughs> Where did she come from? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, she was actually just a practical part of the writing craft perspective, actually. Um, 
we needed a second woman's voice in this story. Miriam was our lead heroine. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of hard to have a romance thread go through the story with an 86 year old virgin. So we had to, we had to mm-hmm. come up with some kind of a, a, a fun romantic story. And our, our hero, Eleazar is the third son of Aaron. Um, and later on, he is a real biblical character. Later on, he becomes the high priest after his dad, Aaron dies. Um, but in this story, Eleazar, he's a crusty old bachelor. He's a mm-hmm. hardened soldier slave and he's got some walls around his heart. And so I had to come up with a fictional character who could be, he, who could be the kind of woman that would tear down those hall, those walls, um, around his heart. And so Talia had to be a special kind of lady. And so that's the, the actual practical side of Talia and why we came up with her. But the spiritual purpose of Talia is, is far deeper than that. The spiritual purpose, I needed her to be an intellectual. And, mm-hmm. and that's a little hard because she's Hebrew and she's a woman. And if we've got a Hebrew slave and, oh, yeah, by the way, she's a woman, that makes it even more difficult to have her be an intellectual. So yeah. I put her in the palace. Um, in Pharaoh's harem. Now, when we hear that, automatically we think, "Oh, concubine." But that—that's not the—that's not the way it was with every woman in Pharaoh's harem. I found out in my research that several of the women were put to use as tutors for the younger children before Pharaoh's princes, his sons, uh, were mm-hmm. sent off to the official school of the cap in Memphis. Um, they were tutored by slaves in the harem. And so I had Talia become one of these tutors. And so she would have been educated by the finest teachers of of the world at that at that point in time. And so she would have had a, a, an incredible education. Now, Talia, unfortunately, one of the boys in her charge had an accident and was injured. And so she nearly lost her life. And, and you'll, you'll read that in the story, in the very beginning of the story. That's kind of where we begin. And Talia is banished from the palace. She's exiled to the slave village. And so imagine this highly intelligent, well-educated woman um, who's really just known palace life her whole life. And she's thrust into the slave village, into Miriam's home, who's kind of her caretaker, um, and, and Miriam has this strong and deep faith and Talia wants nothing to do with it because hmm. she's seen the gods of Egypt be completely powerless. And at least the gods of Egypt, you can see, I mean, there's a little statue of a cat named Bashtet. There's a little statue of a crocodile named Amut and, mm-hmm. and they can't do anything. So what can an invisible God do? So that's yeah. kind of where we come. That's where we get Talia and, and kind of where she's coming from. Um, and and that intellectual part of her, I wanted to bring that in because so many, you know, I've, I've honestly, Lindsay, you're a smart person. I, I feel sorry for you <laughs> because, you know, it's those smart folks that, that really have a hard time with faith. And, you know, a lot of you folks out there listening, if you're smart, I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> faith is just hard. Faith yes. is harder for the smarter ones, you know. It, just it really is. is. And, it is because we we want to understand God, and yeah. um, you know Karl Marx. You know that cliched thinking, um, and and I know some people in my life who are very very smart and intellectuals, 
And they say, religion is the opiate of the masses. Right. I don't need God. I have, mm-hmm. I have my mind. Um, so that's why I brought Talia in. Um, and then, of course, God starts doing things that, that she can't explain with her yeah. intellect. And yeah. so that's what, makes, that's what makes this story really fun. I just loved her. I love that you wrote in this kind of character because I felt like she got my heart or I got her heart um, and and the way she was thinking. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Like I said, I think a lot of us can relate to this idea. I can't see God. How can I believe in him? So what about you, Misu? Has that, has that ever been something in your life? Has there ever been a time or a place or a scenario when this was a barrier to faith for you? You really struggled to believe in God because you couldn't see him. You couldn't touch him. He wasn't right next to you. And so you, you had doubt and you just didn't know what to do. Has that ever been the case for you? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, I can remember some a, a few small doubts a few little times along the way mm-hmm. but i'll tell you there was one time in particular that really i was shaken to my core and mm. um and that time was when we were going just through a really hard dark time roy was a basketball coach in indiana mm-hmm. and um it was before we met your parents actually and um he had he was going through a difficult time it was it was looking like he was going to get fired from this position but let me tell you i've been a pastor's wife i've been now a, a seminary dean's wife mm-hmm. and i've been a basketball coach's wife in indiana and i got to tell you the basketball coach's wife in indiana is the roughest gig on earth <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, it i is bet tough. it is tough so and and we're, this podcast is going to is going to um broadcast right during March Madness. And so, but once basketball is in your blood, it just, it doesn't go away. (laughs) And, um, but in Indiana, that's, that's a tough place to be a basketball coach. And so he was right in the middle of a a really tough season. It looked like he was going to be fired. Um, We were going through a really hard, hard time. And I just went for a drive and I said, Lord, I, I don't even know if you're there. I need, Mm. I need to hear you. I need to see you. I need to feel your arms around me. Why? Yeah. Why can't you manifest yourself to me in a way that I know you're there? Mm -hmm. And I was waiting for a voice. I I needed something. It was that. And, um, uh, yeah, you just cry out and, and wait. That's all there is to do. Mm -hmm. How about you, Lindsay? Have you been at that point? Yeah, I definitely have. Um, my, my story, as I think about Talia and how I relate to her and how I connect with her and her heart, um, the thing that I've struggled with, with God not being visible, I think it was my freshman or sophomore year of college, um, I was just going through a really hard time of really doubting God and not being able to believe in God very well, and it really had to do with partly because I couldn't observe him. I grew up in the church. I grew up knowing God. Um, I even got baptized in the church when I was young, and I really felt connected to God with my heart from a young age. I felt connected to him and loved by him, and I loved him. Um, but when I went off to college, and I was really learning a lot of things and studying a lot of things, and I love science. I love the sciences, math and science. I am like a math and science girl all the way. I could do that yes, and just, just love it to bits and so I was I was studying some of these things in college and what I love about the sciences is that 
the scientists study the world around us, the things that we can observe and the way things work. And they try to come up with theories about why do things work this way? How often do they do these things? What kinds of theories can we come up with for predictable behaviors based on what we observe? And so as I was learning a lot of things and thinking in that mode, I began to try to interact with God with only my head. I think we can interact with God with our minds. I certainly do. He, he does. He interacts right. with me there. But I got into this mode sure. of, of just trying to understand him intellectually and just trying to sort of study him. And I could not figure him out. And boy, it just drove me crazy. I could not observe him well enough to create a scientific theory about the way he would work all the time. And, you know, like the law of gravity, the law of God, you know, I just couldn't. Oh, man. And so it just, it just drove me nuts. And I remember I was still going to church at that time, because that's, that was, you know, just a habit that had been formed in my life. So I was still going to a campus church, but I would sit there some Sunday mornings and be like, I think you all are crazy. I think these people might be absolutely crazy (laughs) for believing these things. I think I might be crazy for ever having believed this because you can't observe God. You cannot touch Mm -hmm. him. You cannot Mm -hmm. quantify him. And and so it was, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. That's why I really relate to Talia because her story, her story is, is my story (laughs) a little bit in terms of that intellectualness. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So what, how, how did that finally turn around in your life? So you were you were in this hard time and just crying out to God, I, I need to see you and um, struggling with God's invisibility. How did that turn around? Yeah. How did God, did he ever show up and show himself to you or, or did you just have to wait he forever? <laughs> he, <laughs> and I'm still waiting. No, but he <laughs> yeah. did. And, and he continues to. And but I'll tell you, on that car ride, um, there was a desperation that night, uh, and I still remember remember it vis- vividly. Um, I still remember it vividly. It was raining. It was stormy, um, and I was just I was sobbing. It was hard to even see where I was driving, and which is not safe. I don't recommend that. But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, and I, I just remember saying, Lord, I need to see you now. And um, I, I remember looking over and I saw a rainbow. Hmm. Now, hmm. in that moment, I knew that rainbow was for me. And did everybody else probably see a rainbow at the same time I did? Yes. Was there, yeah, you know, right. uh, yes, it, it was a rainbow and lots of people saw it. But, but it was for me. Hmm. And it came at the time that I asked for it, that. I needed it, that I was in a crisis of faith. Hmm. And um, for that reason, it was God to me with, yeah. with skin on. It was a rainbow yeah. with skin on. Um, <laughs> and I just, um, I, I had that inner knowing that it was him that hmm. did it. There was no voice. There was no smell, no touch, no taste, yeah. no sound. But, um, but it was him. And I knew hmm. it was him. How about you? Did you, what, what kind of turned around for you? Yeah, actually it was a kind of a similar experience for me. Um, it was really, it, it, yeah, it really was very interestingly. I, I was at the end of, yeah, this sophomore year of college and I had been struggling all year long with just not being able to figure God out and not, not sure if I could believe in him. And so I was just kind of at my wits end and at the, the end of myself with this because 
God was a big part of my life or had been, so I wanted to believe, but I couldn't. And so I just went out one night um, on campus across from my dorm. I went out and sat on this little hill and I just kind of cried out to the heavens. I just kind of cried and yelled out to God a little bit, <laughs> probably not too loud so yeah. that people didn't think I was a crazy <laughs> woman, but who cares at that point? You know, when you're so distraught, yeah. sometimes you just cry out anyways. So there I was on the hill just crying out to the heavens and telling God, who I wasn't sure existed, but I was telling him, um, God, I don't think you're real. I'm not sure if you're there because of this, because of this, because of this. Yep. I don't understand this. I can't fathom this. And it was kind of a stormy night. It wasn't raining, but but there was some thunder and lightning off in the distance. And I would say my little piece, and then the wind would come blowing back in my face. And then I would say another little piece, and the, the thunder and lightning would go off in the distance. And it took me a little while to to notice that happening. But, but as that was happening, I began to get a little quieter and a little more subdued in my yelling. And just, <laughs> I, I it felt to me like I think this isn't this is an interaction with God. And again, like like you mm -hmm. said, someone could call that coincidence or, you know, someone might, you know, sure, it was raining or it was thundering and lightning for everyone and the wind was blowing on everyone. But I knew that that was for me. And part of the reason I knew that was for me also was because God didn't just show up in the wind and in the thunder and lightning as I was yelling out to him. At some point in that conversation, the, you know, I would shout and the wind would blow. I would shout and the thunder would go. But also... I was very deeply impressed. It was impressed upon my heart and my mind this verse that I that I knew in Isaiah that I had studied and read before came to my mind. It was I did not hear an audible voice of God. I've never heard an audible voice of God. Yeah. That would yeah, sometimes I think that yeah. would be nice. Sometimes I think it might be too yeah. terrifying. But I but, know I, I can't make up my mind which it would be great or terrifying. Yeah, right, right. But I so I didn't I didn't hear his voice, but I just like. It was strongly impressed upon my heart and mind. My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, says the Lord. Ooh, and that's yeah. a verse from Isaiah. And that that was it. He had me at that. You know, that was yeah. that was what I needed to know. And and what he was saying to me was, you don't have to know. You don't get to know everything about the way this works. Your intellect, your smarts are not smarter than me. And that's just too bad. But don't worry, I've got it. It, it was a frustrating mm -hmm. verse that was impressed upon me at mm -hmm. first, but then later it has become comforting to me <laughs> to know uh, that when I yeah. reach the end of my understanding, um, God understands and God knows and he still has it. But yeah, that was my experience of God showing up for me and God turning things around. It was just unbelievable and amazing to me that that he would meet me in that way, that he would come through and show himself so powerfully to me like that. I'll never well, forget that. Yeah. And it's kind of like we've been talking about where that, it, that was that moment when the barrier to your faith became actually the building block yeah. of your faith. You know, that when, when that thing that was standing in your way, that crucial moment of transition where it became actually the positive, the builder of your faith. So I, mm -hmm. I think that's a very cool thing. And uh, something that really, really stuck out to me when you were saying you wanted God to be observable and something mm -hmm. that you could, you know, see and latch on to and say, okay, this is an observable, observable fact that I can um, say, this is what happens. And then this is what that means. And that scientific mind. And the thing that I loved about this, um, 
this research that I did on, on Miriam, I was reading in my Jewish study Bible and um, the, the segment on Moses and the burning bush. And when she, when God reveals his name, I am, um, you know, our, my study Bible, I, I usually use an NIV study Bible. It says, you know, I am that I am. That's, mm-hmm. that's the Hebrew translation that we have in the NIV study Bible. But in the Hebrew study Bible, the interpretation, the nuance that they give to that phrase is my nature will be revealed through my actions. That's mm. what I am actually yeah. means in the full Hebrew meaning, in the nuance yeah. of that Hebrew meaning of I am. And I think that becomes what you're asking it to be. I mean, what, yeah. what your scientific brain wants it to be is I want observable proof of who you are. And that's what God was giving them in his name. He said, mm. you watch what I'm about to do. And I'm going to show you who I am by what you're observing about me. And so even though he is not a God in a form of a statue, or he's not a God that he's not even Jesus who walks around on this earth anymore, he now is the Holy Spirit who dwells within us Mm -hmm. if we are believers in Jesus Christ. And I think that that, that is just mind-blowing to me. (laughs) You know, he's no longer the burning bush. He's no longer, you know, passing before us like he did in front of Moses. He's no longer all of those nuanced kinds of experiences that they had in the Old Testament. And he's not even just Jesus who can only be in one place at one time with 12 disciples. He's now the Holy Spirit who's with me and in me all the time. I think that just Oh yeah. my goodness. I, I just, love that. I could just start shouting right now. <laughs> yeah. I just think that's exciting. Yeah. Goodness, I, I love, I absolutely love that we have a God who reveals himself to us. That is what he's always yeah. been doing. You read the Bible and that mm-hmm. is what God has been doing in a number of different ways. He has been revealing himself to his people. And I love that. What you were saying from the Jewish study Bible, um, the name of God that he gave them, my nature will be yeah. revealed by my actions. That's, that's, that's beautiful. That's who God is. And that's, that's what God has been showing me ever since, ever since that day when I cried out to him for that. I think he's, he has started to show me that in a number of different ways. And it was amazing to me how he met me and revealed himself to me there that day, because he revealed himself to me in a couple of ways. One thing I was crying out for him to do was show up, show me yourself. I need you to be observable. Yeah. And he did that. He did that for me with right. this verse and with the, um, with the wind and the thunder and the lightning. But the other thing I was mm-hmm. crying out for was I have to be able to understand you or I won't believe, which is basically a cry of, I think I can be or should be smarter than God. Well, he showed up for me in that and he humbled that and he squashed that right away when he said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And it's just, Mm -hmm. I mean, what a gracious and merciful God that he would he would show up in the way I'm asking him to um, and, and kindly and graciously. Uh, what great grace, what a great undeserved gift that he would 
show up when I'm saying I need to observe you. And he would give me something observable. And in his mercy and grace, he would squash the part of me that was crying out to be better than him and and do that all in one moment. And like you said, that has been, that has been a building block for my faith because I cannot tell you how many times since then I look back on that moment and I remember I don't have to have it all figured out. God has it all figured yeah. out. That has been a huge building block for my faith where originally it was a barrier, but the way God met me in that moment, I will never forget until I'm until I'm old and dead. I will never forget that moment and it has been such <laughs> and a great you won't building have to block. <laughs> Cuz I'll be with yeah. him. Amen. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to I want to bring out something else too here, Lindsay, that you've said is, you know, he brought that scripture to mind. And I think Mm -hmm. it's important for us to remember that the reason he could do that is because you had done the work of planting his word in your heart. Mm -hmm. And so we can, you know, yell and scream at God, whether we're in a car or whether we're sitting on a hillside, um, we can yell and scream at God all we want. But unless we have done the work of Mm -hmm. reading his Bible, his word and staying in the Bible and, trying to understand it. And believe me, you know, when I first started reading the Bible, I I didn't get it. I I really didn't get it. And Mm -hmm. it it didn't speak to me. Um, It takes a while to be able to read it, to understand it as one single story, cover to cover, to understand that it's one letter, one love letter from the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, And it tells us one story. And if you can get a good teacher that can help you understand that, help you understand just the the one concept of scripture, um, that's going to go a long way for you. And, and maybe Lindsay and I will do another podcast down the road on that because I think yeah. that's just crucial Ooh, for us. I would love to. Ooh, and exciting we'll ideas. We'll do yeah. that sometime. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but getting into the Bible so that that the Lord can impress upon your heart and so that you can begin to hear him. I think that's really, really important. So yeah, um, there's let's, let's begin to wrap this up and, and um, just something that I began to realize was happening as I was finishing this book. And as, as I was kind of honing some of the characters, um, I was seeing what each of these characters were struggling with and, um, as we went through all the plagues and as, as they were having their crises of faith, it, it became very clear to me how um, each of them was being brought to a breaking point. Hmm. And the, the, the line that came to me was this, God tests each of them at the core of their deepest identity, but he also proves himself there. So I think for Talia, he, her identity was in her intellect. That's who she was. And, um, he tested her at the very core of that. Um, all the way through the book, you're going to, you're going to see Talia trying to rely on her intellect, trying to explain things, trying to explain Mm -hmm. her feelings, trying to explain Mm -hmm. relationships, trying to explain God. And, mm-hmm. and God just won't let her do it. He just won't <laughs> let her do it, you know? And, and I think it's the same with Lindsay and I, what do you, what do you think, Lindsay? Um, yeah. Tell me about how that worked out with you. Exactly. That is exactly what I think God did for me on that moment. He tested me at the core of my deepest identity, um, which was 
I have to be smart enough to understand everything. And boy, that is still a big part of my identity. And I now have this experience with God that helps me in that. But that is, he was, he tested me there. My identity was, I have to be able to understand the way things work. I have to be smart enough. And he tested me there, but he proved himself there. And and like I was saying earlier, he proved himself in, he proved himself in letting me know that he was the one who was smart enough, not me. So he, he sort of, yeah. uh, he brought me down a few levels in that. Um, but he also proved himself in just, yeah, that he was smarter than I was and that I didn't have to be smart enough. Um, so he, mm-hmm. he proved that he there fulfilled that need um, because I wasn't yeah, smart enough and I didn't have to be. So what about you? Has that, has God tested you at the core of your deepest identity or and proven yeah, himself there? Yeah, I think there? the whole thing, yeah, I think the whole thing with Roy's job and all of that, that my identity is, is security. Um, I, I need to feel secure. Hmm. Um, and, and really, unless I feel secure in a situation, I, I'm a wallflower. I, I'm hmm. really, I will clam up if I don't feel secure in a situation. And, um, I, I think, and, and that's in any situation. And so, when it came to the fact that our very livelihood was being threatened, mm-hmm. our our marriage was being threatened. I mean, everything that we knew um, in this in this life on Earth was being threatened at that point. Um, and then he said, "Hey, I, I'm I'm your security." Yeah. And um, it 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 has been an ongoing proof that the Lord has provided for us year after year after year, that he is our security. And um, I think that was our first hard, big lesson. We've had other little lessons along the way, but that one was just a big, big, big start. Yeah. And it gets easier, I think. Yeah. There's still lessons. And that reminds me of, um, that reminds me a little bit of Eliezer's story, which is actually what we're going to talk about next week. So what a great segue. Um, Next week, when we come back, we're going to be talking about Eliezer and his specific barrier to faith, which was doubting God's goodness. And it really had a lot to do with security and kind of, um, do I need to create a secure life for myself? Because I'm not sure God is good. I'm not sure he's, he's good enough or he cares about me enough or, you know, he wants to help me in that way or that he can. Is God good when all I see in my life is pain and hardship, when all I see in the world is a lot of evil? Um, is is God good? So that's what we're going to be talking about next week with Eleazar. So come back for that, and we will have some discussions about how do you connect with God when you're not even sure that He's good. Um, and I think that will be some good talk. So I think yeah, we're about out of time for this week. Misu, do you want to uh, remind all of our listeners where they can find us and how they can post questions or comments about our podcast? Tell them all about Absolutely. that before we go. Absolutely. Please subscribe to Real People, Real God on iTunes, Android, or on the RSS feed on my Friday blog at www.misuandrews.com slash blog. And if you want to post comments, if you have a question specifically for Lindsay or for me, go ahead and put our names there on the comments so that we'll know who you're talking to. And um, we'd be glad to write back to you and answer any questions that you might have or, or talk to you like that. Um, yeah, just indicate who you want to answer you and we'd be glad to reply. 
Yeah, and definitely. I think, I think we're good. I think we're just we're excited about talking about Eliezer next week. Yeah, let's do it. So that's all the time we have for today, right? Come back next time, everyone. And remember, be real. Thanks for listening to Real People, Real God. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider giving a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, please share this podcast with your friends on your social media platforms.